Okay, well this morning we have uh, Steve Pounds with us. He's, he's with BMW, uh, Biblical Ministries Worldwide, which is where uh, Kevin Brubaker is with them, and uh, uh, Pastor Roberts has been with them, and still has, uh, he's kind of with us and with them both, so <laughs> he's got kind of dual ministry. So let's open with a word of prayer, and Steve can start. Father God, we thank you so much for this new day and the chance to uh, learn about this uh, ministry opportunity that, that uh, Steve and Vicki have for us. And, and we just pray that you'll bless our time this morning as they, they talk about uh, um, where they've been, where they are, and where they're planning on going. And I and, uh, just pray that you'll help us to, to learn from them and, and be a support to them. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good morning. Good morning. It's like I think I've greeted every one of you. So, um, so our, we, we had a ministry in France, and one of the, thing, one of the cultural uh, things that was different when, when we went to France was that you introduce yourself whenever you enter a room and, and you say goodbye to everyone when you leave. So anyways, that was kind of a bit of our tradition there. Um, so Stephen Vicky Pounds, um, and I'll ask my wife to come up here in just a few minutes and share a bit more about her background, but... I am originally from Canada, um, and my family moved here to the great state of Washington when I was five, just north of Seattle, a little town called Edmonds, uh, if you've heard of that. And uh, so this is kind of my stomping grounds, this, uh, you know, the state of Washington uh, where I grew up. Uh, my wife will share her background here in just a, in just a minute. but. It's really amazing to me. I had a, you know, when you're in high school, you have to take a, a foreign language um, in order to graduate. And so I took German class, and my German teacher always told me, uh, would tell us every week, you guys are all going to go to Europe someday. You're all going to go to Europe. And I thought, not me. Um, and so little did I know uh, how accurate that, that actually was. So, um, But God is, has uh, blessed us. Um, uh, with, with four children, we were ex anticipating that uh, we would have at least our youngest one with us, our 14-year-old. Unfortunately, she got sick in the middle of the week and was doing better and then started getting worse again. So she is not with us. Uh, currently, we have uh, Anna, who's 24, who is working in, at a, a nonprofit uh, organized medical ministry to help with um, help local churches uh, provide some you know medical things throughout the week. They've got like a an RV that they, they take and do medical and dental things. Uh, we've got our two middle children, um, Joshua and Julie, who are both in training for ministry in France at a Bible Institute. Um, so really excited to see them uh, continuing to walk with the Lord as uh, parents and grandparents. Um, it's always our heart's desire, right? To, we're not grandparents yet, I'm just trying to. I know, some of, I know I'm assuming probably some of you are, sorry. Uh, not quite there yet, but probably, you know, anyways. Um, Really, our heart's desire, obviously, whatever, whatever God has called us to do, we want to see our children walk with the Lord. So that's a blessing. And then our 14-year-old is, is, um, is at home and uh, in, obviously still in school. And, um, well, we have four wonderful children, so enough said about that moment. So um, God really directed my heart. I grew up in a great uh, missions uh, church, missions focused, uh, really excited to see, um, yeah, you know, it's really one of the highlights, even as a kid, uh, to see the missions emphasis 
at our church um, as I was growing up. It was a larger church, probably around 1,200 uh, when I was uh, when I was growing up. Had a great uh, ministry uh, from the pastor, from the Word uh, on a on a weekly basis. God used some different things in my life. One of those was um, was a ministry at the church uh, called Quiz Team, and we actually had to had to memorize scripture. Um, and it's a wonderful thing to do. And unfortunately, um, unfortunately, it's not something that. M- Many churches are stressing nowadays, but uh, really was very profitable for my own life to memorize um, God's word. Probably did not uh, take the time I needed actually at the time to study it um, as I wish I would have. Uh, But God really used that in my life. Um, Also exposed me to some great uh, Christian ministry. Um, If you've been around Robert, you probably are familiar not only with um, biblical ministries worldwide, but maybe the IFCA. And so we were part of that IFCA group. And so every year we would go to Um, to a youth convention and uh, be a part of hundreds of teens from around the around the country Um, had wonderful teaching opportunities great experiences there and through that God introduced me to the concept of Bible school Um, and one of those Bible schools God God led me to uh, Frontier School of the Bible in Wyoming and then it was there for a couple of years and then he took me to another school Um, and my wife and I kind of have a not a fight, but um, we see things a bit differently, you know, because she actually arrived before I did um, at Appalachian Bible College. So she said that I, yeah. So, anyways, she, um, that you know, God took us there, and that's actually where 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 we met. Knew that God, um, you know, uh, that God was leading me into missions. Used a number of different things in my life. Uh, one of those was before I went off to Bible school was working as an apprentice aircraft mechanic. Um, and as I was working there uh, and, and thinking, you know, maybe that God would have me in uh, working as a uh, missionary pilot, as an area that, was interesting, in, that I was interested in and was following. And if you know anything about mission aviation, there's a couple of airplanes that they typically fly on the field. And one of those is a Cessna 206. Anybody here know what a Cessna 206 is? Okay, a few people. So this, the great state of Washington has some um, Cessna 206s that they use to patrol us and control our speed and that kind of thing. Or at least they used to. I'm not sure if they're still doing that these days. Um, and one of those was in the paint shop next door to us. And they had some guys, um, you know, that came in, the taxied in, boom, and it was sitting there. And the owner told a couple of the guys, okay, go, go push that into place, right? So these guys are not pilots. Okay, keep that in mind. These are just the, the painters. So they go and they push it into, you know, into a spot. They chain it down, um, and then a few days later, they're ready to bring it in the shop to paint it, so the owner goes to fire it up, taxi it, and all we hear is this loud noise followed by the longest and loudest string of swearing I've ever heard in my life. Um, And he actually taxied that state patrol aircraft into a fire hydrant um, because they had parked it the wrong way. Um, and so, anyway, so we had to tear down, we got the job of tearing down that engine, um, and, because uh, it does, obviously does some things to the engine, it probably shouldn't. Um, and so, in my humanity, um, felt that this was God's calling me, you know, giving me this great opportunity to work in this particular aircraft and tear down this engine that we, you know, we normally worked on the, on the smaller aircraft. Um, I was supposed to take, at that time, I was um, actually a coach for our quiz team, and I thought, 
and I was supposed to go away for this weekend, but this aircraft dropped in our lap and they needed extra work that weekend. And so I thought, well, you know what? I can maybe give up this opportunity over here. Actually, it was a commitment, not an opportunity, right? Commitment I had over here for this wonderful opportunity that God was dropping in my lap. And guess what I got to do that weekend? Everything but work on that aircraft, right? I got all the other jobs, which is actually kind of normal since I was a little guy in the totem pole. So anyways, God, God actually kind of uh, used that very simple thing to help me to realize that maybe my, my focus had become more on aircraft and the things that I enjoyed rather than, than God himself. Um, Colossians says, let our mind uh, not be on things on this earth, right? But, uh, you know, but on heavenly things. And I, I don't think he meant aircraft, right? So... Um, so, but, God, but really, uh, God, God did use that. It kind of redirected my focus, and so I ended up going um, off the next year to Bible school, as I mentioned. And in that process, met my wife, um, got introduced to, to biblical ministers worldwide, uh, which I think all of you are aware of. And, just, and the one thing I will say that I really loved about biblical ministers worldwide was the focus on the church, uh, the local church, um, you know, being the, the focus of pretty much everything that they were doing, so... Um, anyways, that's a bit of my story, um, just growing up in a Christian home and how God led and directed me and asked my wife to come up and share a bit about her background, which in my opinion is a lot more interesting than mine. So. <laughs> okay, good morning. My name is Vicky and um, so I come from a family that comes from Peru. My parents are Peruvian, my dad was born in Puno and my mom in Eritrea if you know Peru. And um, anyway, my dad was a boxer, a drunk, and a businessman. So he spent all his weekends drinking and fighting and because he was uh, competing in boxing. So he, they would put two horses inside of the boxing gloves and just go for it. So when he'd get home, he would be a mess, blood, vomit, whatever. And my mom would just like draw him to bed or whatever. They had already four kids. So um, I wasn't born yet. Uh, we are nine and I am number six. <laughs> I have a name. But anyway, so um, my mom will sometimes just like, she was really Catholic. She was so Catholic that they would go to Mass at 4 a.m. and uh, do whatever all they had to do. And one time she was walking, and they they were in Cusco. Cusco is the little capital of um, the Inca Empire, close to Machu Picchu. And um, she was just walking, and <coughs> she saw a, a little paper on the floor. So she picked it up, and it was a tract. And then there it says, "Till now you have never, you have not asked anything in my name, asking you will receive." And she was so used to going to the um, priest. We have different names in Spanish, so I'm trying to find the right one. And she was so used to going there to confess, and also she was really mischievous. So she tells me all the stories they will do that we're not supposed to do, you know. But she will go there to confess, and she read this verse, and she's like, wait a minute, this is a verse from the Bible? And I say that I don't have to go through anyone? But I can go to God. And she said, God, if you can hear me, change my husband. 
And of course, the Lord says, when you seek me, you'll find me, right? Mm -hmm. And um, in the meantime, uh, she wasn't, she didn't know what she was praying for. But in the meantime, my dad would be really diligent in his work, but the weekends were all, you know, drinking, drinking, boxing, movies, and he was never unfaithful to my mom, and he never hit her, which is a blessing. But he was into all that, and he's never home. And But he, my dad was walking by this little building, and there's something on the window, and he stopped, and he started reading, and there were verses. He just kept going. And then one time he got home, and he was just so tired of everything, and he was just half drunk, half. And he said to my mom, give me something different. He said, I remember a book that that shoemaker gave me. And my mama was, yeah, yeah, the book didn't even have covers anymore. It was a Bible. So my mom gave him the Bible, and he opened up that Bible. And it says that all the drunks will go to, to the lake of fire. And he just closed and just like sober up. You know, you know, if you can tell, God was working, right, in different ways. Anyway, so... Backing up years back, many years before, my dad used to have a teacher that was a Christian when he was little. And this teacher um, would teach them, Jesus loves me, and things like that. He quit going to those meetings or little Bible lessons. He, but when he read those verses, he was like, there's a connection with that lady. Something. And then when he would be in so much distress because his mom left him, put him in a train, uh, already kicked his dad and then put him in a train to send him with his dad. For a seven-year-old, it's traumatic, traumatizing, especially before you didn't have divorces like you have now. It was really, it really make you feel low and not wanted. A kid that didn't have his parents, you know? Now it's just the norm, but... And those, those days, no. So he had a lot of anger. And in those times, he would just remember that song and brought him peace. So, he, so those verses were that. And I, he was just like thinking. But God was doing something, right? Mm -hmm. And then one day, he was going to work. And he saw this man walking and happy. And he thought, he can be happy and I can't. And I look for happiness and all this stuff, and, and he was, that made him upset. So he went to work, and he was a businessman. And so long, long, this man walks in. He said, uh, yeah, he, he wanted something. I need to talk to you. My dad said, I need to talk to you, too. And the man said, okay, go, go ahead. He's <laughs> like, why are you so happy? And he was a missionary. And he didn't know, and he... Say, well, I know the Lord, and he witnessed him. My dad went to church, and right away, he, the Lord just, you know, drew him to himself. And the missionary was like, this is weird. This is not normal. And he was like, well, maybe you need to think about this, because my dad said, are you saying that you are a man of God, and you don't want me? Which kind of man is that? <laughs> because he was just, like, always fighting, right? Anyway, long story short, was being too long, but the Lord saved my dad. And he went home, and of course, he found the real peace, the real joy, not just happiness. 
he found meaning in life. Things came together and he went home and he would just not, not want to go again, drinking and all that. He's staying home and my mom is like, what's wrong? And his neighbors say, I think your husband is going crazy. He's, he's smiling and he's not going. And my mom is like, I don't know. So he started telling my mom, I'm going to this church. And my mom realized that he, he had turned around and she's like, it's my turn, you know. Like, I'm not going to go and started being like, you know, a little sassy or whatever you say. And then, um, but she was seeing that something was happening on my dad. And she started following him. And my dad didn't know, but she would hear and listen to the messages and then left before the service was over. And my dad would say, well, what did you learn in Mass today? And my mom didn't know what to say. She didn't have much to say, and my dad would share. And my dad was a very choleric man, really had a really bad temper. So he decided that he was going to look to my mom through the cross and through Jesus and love her that way. And four months after, the Lord saved my mom. And um, I know I'm making this story too long. Okay, I looked at my, I have four minutes. <laughs> he thinks I'm not keeping track of him. Anyway, I love talking. And I work talking, anyway. And, and then the Lord saved my parents. And he just wanted to live for the Lord and my mom. They just wanted the Lord. And so that's when they left Peru to go to Uruguay. And they have four kids. So my brother Dan and I, we were born in Uruguay while my dad was in Bible school. And um, so when we were born, I was three months, we went back to Peru. So I'm Peruvian, but born in Uruguay. Um, I don't have a Peruvian passport, but I have a Uruguayan passport. Anyway, so when back to Peru, they had two more kids. It's my phone. No. <laughs> Making con connection. Anyway, but then when they had eight kids, my dad had met somebody in Uruguay that went to Spain. And then she's like, there's a lot of work here. Europe is dead. And so my parents left everything and went to Spain. They didn't have a mission board. They didn't have anything. Just know that lady, my dad told everything that he had. I'm looking back, I'm like, we were 10 traveling. How many planes did we take? And the boat, which I didn't take that little pill that wanted me to sleep, so I didn't throw up. We threw it with my brother <laughs> when I'm missing the fun. And all those taxis and everything, my parents had a lot of things and gave it all up for the Lord. And they didn't have a job waiting. They didn't have anything waiting. They just, they just knew that they wanted to follow Paul's example. So we got to Spain and my, my parents gave all their lives to the Lord and planted a church that had planted other churches. They worked in the translation of the Bible to Catalan. They coordinated that. And my little sister was born there. And anyway, I always end up talking about my parents because it's God's work in my life, but it starts with you guys. Because that missionary, 
is from California and they left everything. And he didn't even talk to my dad. He's just being faithful. And they are still serving. There's a lot of churches that have come out of their ministry. And then it's like a ripple effect when you obey. You know, God is doing his work. We just need to obey. Uh, my parents count the costs, you know. There was a lot of uncertainties in Spain. We had very little. Sometimes all we had was tea and bread for a meal. My mom made it always very special. Going out to eat meant putting a little blanket on the balcony, turning the lights off, and eating on the floor. And she would tell us the stories. That was my experience of going out to eat. Because I, we lived in the city. I didn't even know that people go out to eat. But we were, she always gave us happiness. And now that I'm a mom, I look back, it's like, she was peeling potatoes, she was crying. She says, the onion, mom, you're peeling potatoes, what's going on? You know, the first time they were able to go back to see his family was 30 years after. But, you know, their lives have been what God has used in me to dedicate my life to the Lord. Because the Lord saved me when I was 16. So we have moved a lot and I felt that I didn't have value because I arrived in Spain when Franco was still a dictator. And from Spanish, which has another accent, we went to learn, when he died, we went to learn Catalan. And then everything was so different. Everything I had learned in Peru, the rivers, the countries, the geography, now it's like another river, another country. I was so lost and I felt so little. And, um, but when the Lord saved me, he gave me value. He's like, I make you, I die for you, I created you, and you have value because you are mine. And that truth, I could not throw it away. So I will never think I will learn another language. And I learned Catalan, then English, and then French. But I don't really pay much attention if I do it well or not. I just aim to do it for the Lord. And so I gave my life to the Lord. Like, I, when I was 16, I said, Lord, I just want my life to be a letter of thank you to you. That's all I want. So I went to Bible college and to and met Stephen Canary ended up working with Muslims. But um, anyway, so yeah, we moved to Spain and then I moved to the States never thinking I would marry an American or Canadian. <laughs> I, it was so in me, I'm not going to the States state that I only learned to write and to understand. I skipped the speaking classes because I'm, I'm not gonna have friends. If in Europe I don't have friends, well, it's so <laughs> pagan. In America, they're not gonna wanna be friends with me. So I just kept everything because I thought, I don't need to speak. Well, I was wrong. <laughs> and the Lord gave me, Steve uh, put us together and we went to friends where we have served with Muslims. And um, anyway, that's my background a little bit. And hey, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, you, you can stay up here. Yeah. Is that here? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so I'll just take over um, here. So, uh, you know, God actually led us, I mean, through a number of steps um, 
to go to to France uh, to work with Muslims and basically over uh, from the after World War II from the 1950s to the 1980s in France they had what they called the 30 glorious years where the you know the economy was just booming um, they needed a lot of uh, workers uh, to to build new apartments uh, I mean at that point most people didn't have running water in their homes so there was there was just a, like a lot of uh, they might have been in an apartment complex where they had to go you know down the hall with to shared bathroom or something like that right so um, so just Putting in a lot of infrastructure, buildings, a lot of um, a lot of car manufacturing plants um, in our, the part of France that uh, that that the Lord took us to, up right up in the northern uh, tip of France, um, right next to Germany and Luxembourg and Belgium. Um, a lot of mining, uh, both um, iron ore and coal in that area. A lot of industry with uh, um, automobile manufacturing and that kind of thing. So. So what happened was France didn't have enough workers. They went and they, they actually sent recruiters into the North African countries of uh, Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia, brought them into France and, and really all, all over France, but especially in the industrial uh, parts of France and in, the, and in the large cities for the factories uh, that, that, that were there, um, to the place where nobody knows exactly, according to French law, they're not supposed to ask about religion, but. Uh, most people think probably uh, be somewhere um, like 12 to 15 percent of the population in France today are, are Muslims um, because of of those uh, those workers that came up from those Muslim countries from the 50s, uh, mostly from the 1950s to the 1980s, as well as some more recent uh, immigration and even the last few years that has even uh, changed with populations coming from different parts of the world um, into France, but. God, that's basically what we felt God was uh, having us to do. Uh, spent some time looking around France and saw that, you know, um, even though there were believers with Muslim backgrounds, um, a lot of them didn't really feel like they were able to integrate into the church. Um, you know, church is finished and 10 minutes later, there's, you know, they're, they're locking the, the, you know, they're locking the church. Nobody invites them home for a meal, whatever, right? Hospitality is kind of their, 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 their love language as a culture, right? That's how you show, you know, love and appreciation and, and what honorable, honorable people do. So a lot of them didn't really feel uh, really accepted into the French church. We really wanted to begin um, a church with, with those people in mind from the very beginning. And so God, in his grace, uh, we saw a number of... Uh, uh, Muslims turned to the Lord, um, and uh, we had a had just a small uh, church meeting in our living room every Sunday afternoon uh, for for a number of years. Uh, we were in France for 15 years, and for um, I guess what nine or ten of those years, we had we had a uh, just a small church meeting in in our in our living room, um, and God God worked in in amazing ways. Um, very briefly, I will just say that, I mean, I've already mentioned hospitality, like that was the key. It was not that we had this great um, strategy with literature or some program um, or, or medical or dental. It was just simply opening up our hearts and our homes. Um, and, and, and they came and came and came and came, repeated visits. Um, and sometimes we would hear from people after like two years of, of literally weekly them being in our home, maybe not even coming to our, our, our Bible studies or, or, uh, or services. After a couple of years, you just say, you know, so-and-so told me that, they, that, that, that I can trust you, now I think I can. 
that's just how long it, it, it took um, for them to begin to, to trust us as, as people and our intentions. Um, so, so God blessed um, uh, there. Um, you probably can't even pronounce some of the names. Anybody here can pronounce Huayra? Can you pronounce that? Yeah, it's a bit hard. Yeah, it's got a couple of R's. It's still hard for me. I had to go to language school for two years to be able to pronounce that name. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, so we were, we were really blessed um, just to see um, how the Lord worked to bring a number of, of them to the Lord. And I'll just mention two of them very quickly. Um, one, was, uh, one was Linda. Linda comes from an Algerian background. Um, number of, I can't, how many, does she have five brothers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so five, five brothers. She's the only girl in the family. Five Muslim brothers. Yeah, five very Muslim brothers. Uh, you know, the only girl in the family. And she basically was expected to, even as, even as an adult, to do all the cooking and cleaning up after them, even though uh, most of them didn't, weren't working. She had a full-time job, had to commute. Uh, had a two-hour commute uh, to and from work every day. Worked a full-time job, came home and had to do had to do all those things uh, for them. Um, and, and they were older, they were like twenty-four. They're not like young. yeah, yeah. These were adults at this point, right? So we're not talking about little children. But that was just kind of the cultural expectation. Um, and even when before even before we met her, she actually was dating a. a French guy, and she ended up in the hospital because her brothers were so upset they just beat her up, like, you don't do that. Um, and so uh, God, in his grace, reached out, uh, had another friend that actually brought her, um, I, I think, to us the first time when we had a function, and um, just kept coming back for Bible study, spending time with, uh, with Vicki in particular, um, and God changed her heart. Um, and saved her life. So, um, and then Yusef was um, a young man, very, very interesting story and background, comes from a, a larger family as well, though his mother was actually a believer. Um, and so he, he actually grew up in Sunday school in a you know, church of a different denomination, some different beliefs than we have. And he was able, you know, he saw some of the hypocrisy, uh, you know, of things and was just really a clown. Um, and uh, that's probably a good word for him, right, clown? Um, and, and just mischievous, um, you know, did a little time in, in, in jail and um, doing some drugs and, and uh, things like that. Um, and it, but the Lord... Yeah, drug dealer. Small-time small time drug dealer. But the Lord began to work in his heart, and he, he, he came, I think, it was to a play. He came, I think, for the first time. No, he, his mom was coming. And he said, I'm going to go with you where you're going today. There was no play okay. that day. That was, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but very resistant at first. Like you tell, he wanted to be there, but very, very, very resistant. And we had just a small group. Like we didn't have, you know, you know we didn't have like the, you know, the big worship team and the, you know, the lively music. Like we're just meeting in our living room. Vicky's, you know, just strumming on her guitar. And we've got some simple choruses and hymns that, that, that we're singing in our living room. And um, very resistant. You could just kind of just see him pouting, you know, in the back and just kind of sitting there. But we're, we're opening up God's word and he's listening. And, um, and over time, and he, well, he loved her food. But I mean, like hospitality, like, is so important. Like, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm sounding a bit repetitive, but like, honestly, like, <laughs> pretty much all of our ministry. Since they don't have him, <laughs> when I didn't have anything, I just make a batter and make little ones. 
and put whipped cream and a and a strawberry something. They thought it was the greatest thing. So it's like just be creative. Yeah, it, it was the greatest thing. Anyways, anyway. it's it's still great. Um, so so God, you know, God God began to work in his heart and life. And he kept coming back with questions, and you could just see him wrestling with the Holy Spirit, with passages of Scripture, um, and you could tell that he he understood the gospel, but had not come to the place yet where he was quite ready to follow. And then we got the call um, one day that that morning he'd been wrestling with God over the course of the night. Um, kind of reminded me actually of Jacob in Scripture. And, um, and turned his heart to the Lord. And then God just, God just really changed his life. Um, and he was, such a, he was such a clown and known in the community that he was, he was asked to come to a party and someone handed him a, you know, a marijuana joint and he's like, well, you know, I, I don't actually do that anymore. And, and they thought he was actually joking, right? He was just, you know, I'd become a Christian. And they thought he was just, oh yeah, it's one of, one of, his, one of Yousef's jokes. <laughs> and then they found out he was, he was for real. So we were delighted to report that now God, God answered the cry of his heart, gave him a, a good Christian uh, wife, and he's actually now um, you know, serving in some leadership capacity in a church and grateful to see the way in which God uh, worked in, in his life in some very, uh, very challenging uh, circumstances. But that's what God does. Um, uh, he does that. So anyways, currently we are... We are no longer in France, much to our, our uh, it's uh, one of our, our great heartaches is we, we want to be back in France. Currently, we're, yeah, we, I love Washington, but, or I like Washington, but I love France. Okay, I always put it that way. So <laughs> that's not meant as an insult. Um, I actually do, do love Washington. But um, really, our hearts are in France. God brought us back. Um, after 15 years, we had some issues in our family that we had to deal with. And uh, we, were, we were asked to come back for one year. And after that one year, it's kind of like, well, let's, let's put things on on pause for a little bit um, and we, a lot of things going on beyond beyond our knowledge or control uh, somebody was spreading some nasty rumors um, contacting our supporting churches behind our back um, and we were not to this day we don't know what was said we were just at one point we were told that what he had to share could not have been shared if you had been in the room so um, very very difficult things that happened there um, and then we were getting ready um, to um, to launch uh, back uh, to to begin the process of raising support here um, a few months ago uh, with the church that we're at um, currently, and then we had actually going back over here. Anyways, I'm going to make a long, a really this is a really long story, right? You guys have been around, some of you have been around the block long enough. You know, life gets complicated and messy, right? So, um, but but our had some questions that we needed. Uh, about the direction of the church, some things have been said in the message, and dealt with, worked through that with the elders. Kind of got over that hurdle, ready to to launch, and then another issue uh, came up with the church. We were not really on board with. So, yeah. Um, so we are kind of at the place where we we were ready to go, but we don't have the sending church, uh, which we feel is important from, from scripture to have that, have that accountability. Um, in the meantime, we have been, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Um, we met some other Hispanic families and, and again, we're, we're at a large church. I think we're currently, uh, running around 2000 on a Sunday morning. Um, this is keep in mind, this, missionaries? what's that? Do you have any missionaries? Or do yeah. they, does the church have missionaries? 
missionaries as well. Oh, with us, co-workers? Like, so Mormons, they go, you know, I go door to door. Oh, I see, yeah. Like, like were there, were there um, other missionaries no. in Spain and, in yeah, Spain and France? Have, yeah. like, another church? Did you have any younger groups of, like, 20-something-year-olds or teenagers as missionaries go to uh, Spain and France? Luxembourg and Germany, are, and are you, are you talking about the gospel of Christ to them, too? You're saying that there's a kid that was a drug addict and you know, she was able to transform her, her life. So that's I was wondering if you guys had missionaries here in this church that helped you preach the gospel of Christ and go door to door. So yeah, so um, we we have we had no previous affiliation with this church. We just came here this morning for the first time. So so yeah, um, so we don't have any previous affiliation with this particular church. But there there are many other missionaries working with the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses that we are not affiliated with at all. Um, and there are other missionaries working with other, I mean, other mission agencies that are, are at work there as well. And, and I would say that we were, even though we were working with a people group that did not have a, um, didn't have a lot of exposure to the gospel, I think without exception, everybody that came to the Lord through our ministry had a family member or someone else that had spoken to them, even if it was just a brief moment in their childhood or something like that, maybe went to like AVBS like one day or something like that, where that God used to touch their hearts. And it was like a little seed that was planted. So we're just, you know, Paul says, you know, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, you know, but you know, God, God gave the increase. So we're just kind of a, a step in the process often. Um, it's not just all, all of us that's, you know, doing the work. And obviously the Holy Spirit is, is doing, doing a work in the background. So, anyways, so I... Sure in the King James Version, God didn't say Apollo. Yeah. That's okay. blasphemy in the church. Okay. Well, maybe we can... We, I, I'd be happy to talk after the, after the service if you'd like, yeah. Um, so, God used ourselves and three other families, um, Hispanic families in that church, to get a Hispanic ministry launched in over the course of four years. Uh, we've seen that grow from just a, you know, ten people in a living room for a Bible study to an actual. Uh, well, I guess it's been four years now since we've had the service, right? So four and a half years, something like that, um, where we have um, like eighty-five to hundred uh, people meeting um, regular services, getting ready to launch a full-time pastor uh, for that ministry. Currently, all lay-led, uh, which would include ourselves. Both my wife and I work. Um, just regular jobs. Hmm. Well, they're not regular. I guess they're kind of interesting jobs. But anyways, um, <laughs> you know, um, and just just led that way. So good. So anyway, so our I, I guess if you can pray for us, pray that we would get back to France. So um, circumstances are, are challenging right now, and uh, but that's really our heart's desire. Mm -hmm. That's our passion um, and our vision. So if you could pray for us in that way. Mm -hmm. So what's happening with the church in France? while yeah. we've been here four years. Mm -hmm. 
Eight. Yeah, we've actually been here eight years. Yeah. So we were we had a small group and we actually we were short. I think we needed one more one more person in our group to meet the the you know to French laws for them to actually rent a place on their own. We didn't have that. Um, so they have kind of dispersed. Some of them have gone into fairly good church situations. Some have gone into kind of questionable ones, and a few others have just kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. Well, they are waiting. They have nothing. So, yeah, like Linda, we mentioned, just reached out to Vicki and said, when are you guys coming back? Right, we get this. We have, we have Roman Catholic friends, like this, fam this couple that's in their 90s, and they call us every few months. Like, when are you guys coming back? Like, we, we need you here. People need, even though they know they're, they're Catholics and we have different, you know, we're not on the same page theologically, they're like, France needs you. You guys need to be here. So, and just to give you, I mentioned that you come from a church, 2,000 people. Um, in a city of what I think it's like 35, 40,000 people. That's where we're at currently in Washington. Metz has a population of 200,000 people, and there are fewer believers that meet in that city than do in just the church that we're currently at. That's, that's the mm -hmm. state of the need in that city. Our kids had a school of 1,200 students, and we didn't, didn't know any other students that were believers. Mm -hmm. no. That's how, that's kind of the, the darkness, mm -hmm. um, that spiritual darkness in Europe. Yes. So. There is a lot of, the European culture has a lot of like a philosophy, a lot of cults, a lot of witchcraft, mm -hmm. um, really weird cults. So yeah, this is dark, but you know, God is at work. Mm -hmm. He has always been and we just need to be available. It's not up to us what he does, we just need to be available. Because he enables and he uses us if we are obedient and so. Yeah. So most of the people you told us about were like the third generation after the World War II immigration. Uh, this was, um, so let's see, so uh, Linda would be second generation, Yusef would be second generation. Were you, yeah. were you, did you have any contact with any recent? Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. We know we support a missionary who yeah. is working in Morocco. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh wonderful. Oh, I'd we, like to hear about that. that we were there too. Okay. To learn Arabic. Yeah, we were there for a few months. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's told us about believers who have had to leave yeah. because their families just kicked them out, yeah. as mm -hmm. well as um, people who just can't find work there yeah. and they're immigrating north particularly to germany is germany yeah more even it's france? germany france germany, yeah. um from morocco probably more germany now than yeah. france mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah those things can change yeah we we did have uh our uh, i would consider them our almost our best friends in france um any and nadia they came we met them i think just a few months or a year after they they left algeria um yeah, there, there is, it's just, it's not the massive waves that it was for what that 30 years, yeah. Now a lot of the immigration like, is coming from the eastern countries, well, actually. I was going to ask yeah. about like Syria yeah. and Afghanistan, because our kids were on Lesbos for a while, yeah. and they, they were kind of teaching English with yeah, wonderful. Syria and Afghanistan, and the thing they were concerned about is the anger that was brewing as yep. they were waiting and waiting waiting to be 30, processed. 30 a month or something. Yeah, there were only, you know, they had like 
Yeah, so a lot of that, that immigration actually happened. So we left in 2015, and that was actually the year they came in. It was like right after, yeah. right after yeah. the, the, the fall, literally like a couple months after we left. So um, they've been coming in, in all, all over Europe. It's a huge issue, um, but also for the church, it's an opportunity, right? So, so I mean, we have call, I remember giving a presentation in about 2010 for our mission board. Like they came to Europe, we had missionaries from all over, and I was like basically saying, when we joined, we joined the mission. We were the first ones that wanted to work with Muslims. This was back in the late 90s. Didn't have anybody working with Muslims, and 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 so what? Like 13 years later, basically saying everybody in Europe is going to have a Muslim ministry. And I mean, pretty much everybody did. They had at least one or two families or the, you know, the shopkeeper or the, a neighbor. Like it's like they're there um, and very present. So yeah. yeah. Daryl, do we have time for more questions or we need to, I'm not sure. That... Yeah. Yeah. We wish we could have pictures that our um, disc thing got corrupted so we couldn't have the pictures to show you. I, I hope we can retrieve everything. Yeah. Oh, we understand that. Yeah. yeah. So One of the reasons we like a potluck when we have visitors is because everybody can ask you questions. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so be okay. Be okay. We, hey, we're always prepared. We're ready. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You guys have been wonderful. Thank you. Close in prayer. Father God. You are the one who can uh, get Steve and Vicky back to France, and we just present them to you, put you in there, put them into your hands, and, and pray for that that uh, they'll be able to do that. And we just thank you for the presentation this morning, and uh, we just pray for the this next hour to come. But you'll, you'll bless them again as, as Steve presents the message. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.